morning, church. Everyone is doing good this morning. Beautiful day outside. Thank the Lord for that. All right, I'm going to start off with uh, reading scripture, Isaiah 64 and 8. But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay, and you are potter, and all of us are the work of your hands. So I'm not much of a pottery maker or much really into pottery in general, but uh, when trying to put something together as far as lesson-wise, I started doing some research and digging into uh, the fact of pottery and making and the process and things like that. So I tried to put this together to try to uh, try to bring this, uh, hopefully make, make sense to everyone and apply to each and everyone's life here this morning. Uh, making pottery can definitely be a messy endeavor as far as the actual process of making it. Your hands must become covered in the wet clay as the work takes place. What a beautiful picture it is to think about God being the potter and actually having his hands on the clay. Uh, he, it reminds, he doesn't remind us of getting his hands dirty, but he wants us to be involved in our lives. He, as far as his process, is not about him getting necessarily dirty, but our lives sometimes are dirty. We have a lot of things that we go through in our in the growing and molding process of our lives, and he's right there with his hands upon us throughout every step of that way uh, and that process uh, with us. Uh, so basically, you know, Jesus got dirty taking upon our sins himself, and he's still at work in and around us uh, with the Holy, as far as through the Holy Spirit. God the, pot, uh, the potter is sovereign over the clay, but also the potter can be trusted for he is good and does good. His hands are where the ordinary becomes extraordinary. When God's in something, when God's for us, it doesn't matter who might be against us or what the situation or circumstances are. God will take care of everything for us and help us through anything that we're dealing with. Life can feel like a lump of clay. How often we, do we find ourselves unable to see beyond our everyday failures? I mean, how often do we fail or make mistakes and we just wonder, you know, how we're going to get through life or what life's about or the challenges life brings? You know, the different things, difficulties, different situations, uh, you know, feel like we're failing, you know, in life, things of that nature. Uh, but to, to our God-given potential, we feel helpless, directionless, and hopeless, spinning around on the wheel that we call life sometimes. But there is hope, though, because there is a potter. He is the one that shapes, molds, and brings meaning and purpose to our life. He can be trusted. He waits for us to place our, ourselves in his hands. So if we're willing to allow God to mold us and shape us in our lives, he will do that. Uh, he wants to do that. It's just a matter of we have to allow him and we have to be willing to allow him to do that. The thought that someone took time to use their skills to craft an object with their hands makes it that much more special. It's exciting to see the art of craftsmanship coming back. In the same way God the Potter places uh, on each of us a tag that says handmade with love so to speak I mean his hand is upon each of our lives and everything that he does 
and each of us are unique in our own different ways and different things that, that God's given talents and, and things that God's placed in our lives and things that God wants uh, each of us to be. And that's, that's part of his shaping and molding each and every one of us to his will and to his purpose that he has planned for us. Value is not found in just uniqueness or even the, the material from which an item is made. Value is uh, also based on its creator. I mean, we can look at lots of things in life and lots of different qualities of things that you buy. And you can buy, you know, say, for instance, uh, uh, a handbag or, or uh, or uh, wallets or clothing. There's just a variety of different things that, you know, I can buy a jacket that, you know, I could pay $20 for or you can buy a jacket that you pay $1,500 for. I mean, it, the, the sky's the limit, so to speak. And lots of times it's based on the creator, the, the brand name, uh, the, the type of, uh, of material, what have you, that it's made from, and it's all a matter of what a person as far as wants, as far as from that standpoint. But there's that different price ranges, and lots of times that's dictated by by certain names. I mean, we can kind of poll different people uh, on different name brands and with the prices of different name brands, but it's all based on the creator of them. And so, with God, He is our creator, and you know we're all invaluable at that point with God being our creator and we, we don't need to ever forget that and forget the value that we have because of God uh, any violin can be used to make music but the extravagant price of a violin is based upon its maker any painting is basically paint on a canvas but when it bears the name Da Vinci Van Gogh or Rembrandt few can even afford those just based off of the names of who's done it. I mean, I could go get a canvas this afternoon and paint it, and it's pretty much meaningless. And, you know, from a price standpoint, nobody's really going to have an interest in it. But you take someone that's a famous artist, and the value increases. Even though I've seen some of those paintings, and I'm, I'm not into art, so I don't understand it, and I don't understand where that value comes from. Just because a certain person painted it, though, it has a, a purpose, and the cost is, is inflated because of that. The same has been said of you. You are truly a masterpiece, not just because you are better and more valued than others, but because of the one who made you. With God being our creator, as I said just a few minutes ago, we're, there's not a value on our life. We're invaluable. I mean, we're priceless as far as in God's eyes and, and with God creating us and each of us uniqueness. Uh, the rarity of certain items brings the value up. As I said, each one of us are rare because each one of us are uniquely made. You think of a fingerprint, there's not one person that is du the fingerprints are duplicated with. God has created everyone different. There's not one, not two people that's created alike at all. Uh, you think about that in detail with the amount of people that's in civilization or the amount of, you know, the population, and each person is that much different. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Ephesians 2 and 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us 
a new in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us along the way. Just taking a look at our creator, uh, of course in Genesis uh, we see uh, as God is the creator, uh, this is the account of the heaven, the earth, when they were created in the day that the Lord gave uh, or the, that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. So have you ever wondered why sometimes Lord is spelled with all capital letters sometimes? It refers to God's personal name. He gave, Moses, gave to Moses out of the burning bush when Moses asked who he should say had sent him to set God's people, the Israelites, free from Egypt. Exodus 3 and 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you say, shall say to the sons of Israel, I am, has sent me unto you. It is God's name of relationship. It is literally translated, I am. You may also know it as Jehovah. It is such a holy name that the Israelites took great care in writing it or even saying it. Scribes would purify themselves and, and pick uh, unused pens up before writing it. Chapter 1 of Genesis may give the seven days of the creation account, but chapter 2 is all about God's setting, the stage for relationship. God is not only our creator, but he desires to be in restored relationships with us as our father. The, the thing of that is, is we talk about restoration for a minute. Uh, you know, you look at the value of something, you buy a vehicle today and the price that it is, and, and you purchase it and you pay a, a premium for it. But 30 or 40 years down the road, that vehicle's got high mileage and, and it got issues or a variety of things. But somebody takes that vehicle and kind of recrafts it, restores it. Uh, they restore the value to it. And in some cases, uh, you take... You know, vehicles such as, uh, say, like a 69 Camaro that was, you know, from the factory, like $2,800, you know, in 1969, a restored car now, you know, bring fifty dollars to $100,000. I mean, that, that's just, the, the value's all over the place, but that's just an example. So you take a restored vehicle, and it's actually worth more. So when you take someone that's broken, and even though we've got issues or problems, God is able to restore a person and their value be even more and even better than what they was to begin with. At no point in time when we make mistakes, I mean, we're human, we're flesh, we're going we're gonna to fail, we're going to do things wrong, we're born into sin. So when God is involved in anything, he is our creator, he molds us, he shapes us, uh, and he's able to restore no matter what we're dealing with or what we're going through and can, can restore back uh, to even better condition than what we was to begin with before we fell. Imagine God, how do you visualize him? How much of our perception of God is based on our experience with people? Therefore, our ideas may be sometimes warped or, or deceived a little based on that. You may have heard, as far as in the title, God is our father. But your own personal experience on earth with your earthly father may cause you to see God as not as great if you look at it from that perspective or that example. Uh, humans will fail us even in reference to our perception of God. We must go to the Bible to hear what God says and truly understand his nature and character and his ability and what he is, and we must believe it that way. So we, don't, we never can put our trust and our faith fully in man. We have to put our faith and our trust in God. 
because God will fail, uh, or God won't fail, we will fail, we will make, you know, as being fleshly, you know, how many times, and it's not the right thing to do, but, you know, we can be judgmental a lot of times on people, and God's not judgmental. You, if you've made a mistake and you come to God and you're sincere about it, God will restore you. He will, he will turn your life back around, and it doesn't matter what the situations or the circumstances or, or how long a person's not been in the truth. It doesn't matter what the situation is. God makes turns the impossible into possibility, and he'll turn your life around and, and set you on a solid foundation for sure. Isaiah 64 and 8, But now, O Lord, you are our father, and we are the clay, and you are potter, and all of us are the work of your hand. Jeremiah 18, 3 through 6, Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something on the wheel. But the vessels that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hands of the potter, so he remade it into another vessel. As it is pleased the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Can I not, O house of Israel, Deal with you as this potter does, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. In Romans 9 and 21, Or does not the potter have a right over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel of honor and use another for common use? Granted, it is easier and comforting to see God as a loving father and a good shepherd rather than God the potter who has complete control over the clay. However, it is important that we understand that this twofold characteristic of God because we cannot have one side of the coin without the other. It is essential we understand both the complete sovereign righteousness, just and holy side of God as well as his tenderness his patience, enduring, love, and faithfulness. God is in control. He is king and rightfully so. God loves us, therefore we can trust him. If there's anyone in this world that we can trust, it's God. And that's, you know, as I said, I'm going to fail people. You're going to fail people. You know, we're, that's just part of life, and, and, and it's not something that we necessarily are proud of or that we want to do, but we do that, you know. But God will never fail us. There's never a time that we can't trust in God and that we can't come back to God. It doesn't matter if we failed. It doesn't matter if we stumbled. The main thing is if we fall, that we get right back up and bring things to God in sincerity uh, through repentance, and God will see us through. So don't let the devil try to discourage you when you do fall and think that, you know, that, oh, I'm, I'm just a failure, I'm nothing, because that's not true. That's what he wants you to believe. Because that's the, he doesn't want you to ever get it in your mind that, that you are something and that God has fearfully and wonderfully made you and, and that every one of us is made in his image and perfect in that way. And the amount of things that you can do for God, the devil doesn't want that. So anytime he can keep you depressed or down or negative and you know, having that mindset that he's got that control over you and manipulate you, then it keeps you from progressing and doing his will and his work. Because he is righteous and holy, he always does what is right and good. His faithfulness can be trusted. There is no mean, meanness, hatefulness, or wrong within him. 1 John 1 and 
5 tells us he is the light and there is no darkness in him. Psalms 119 and 68 tells us he is good and does good because he is sovereign. He is always in control no matter what life may throw at us. We can know God's got this. It did not uh, take him by surprise and there is no one, no thing more powerful than him. So no matter what our situation is, no matter what has happened in your life, what you're going through, this has not caught God off guard. He will see you through, no matter what the situation is. Uh, therefore, you know, we can get down and we can get out. I mean, you know, there's things that happen in life and there's circumstances and situations, you know, and so many times we get caught up in those things in life and, and don't even realize the importance of, of what what we're here for and what our purpose is because we get caught up in life in general and, and so much stuff going on. And I've, I've mentioned it before, but every time that there's, that there's death that takes place, it really makes, it brings this home to me to really think about the importance of, of value in life and what we're here for and what our purpose really is. You know, and it's not about what we gain or what we get here on earth, but it's, you know, what we do for God and the relationships that we build and not taking things for granted and, and having a, having a, a positive mindset helps contribute uh, with that a lot instead of looking at life from a negative perspective because each one of us has as an appointed time here on earth and, and things that God wants us to do but we in our mindset can hinder us or help us in a lot of ways you know we can have nothing physically on earth but if we have a positive mindset and if we're in the will of God we have everything it doesn't matter as far as you know we look around too many times and base our lives and, and how we're blessed on what we have or what someone else, you know, we can always look around and see somebody else driving a newer vehicle, living in a newer house, having, having a, a bigger bank account or whatever the case may be. We need to be happy with what we've got because God has provided. And if we're walking in God's will and where we need to be, that joy will be there and that happiness will be there and we will, will be way more fulfilled in, in doing God's will. God also cares, he adores, he has an everlasting love for us. It's one thing for someone to be in charge and trustworthy, but it's something altogether different when this one loves us, uh, loves you and I so much. He gave his very life for you and for me and for every person. His love is why he could not let us perish, although that is the price for our sin. His love is why we have hope in the uh, midst of our failure. His love is why it is safe for us, the clay to surrender to God, the potter's hands, and grace and mercy, even when we may not understand his process. We don't always understand for sure. I know I don't. You know, a lot of times why we're dealing with certain things, why we're going through certain things, why there's certain losses and situations that take place in our life. But the one thing that we can be assured of, if we will keep our faith and our trust in God, he does not make mistakes, and he's not, there's not a thing that's caught God off guard, and he's in control, and he knows what we need best. And, you know, there's been numerous times that I've had situations of not understanding, but a little bit of time goes by, and I look back, and it's like, oh, I understand now. I see clearly. You know, God protected me from something or he kept me from something or from going down a direction that, you know, may have, uh, may have went astray or, or the wrong way or, or kept me from certain things. And, you know, there's been times where even 
say I'm going to leave the house at 10 o'clock to go somewhere and something happens and I'm frustrated and I'm aggravated and I'm behind and you know it's 10:20 before I leave and I get going down the road and see a bad accident and it's like you know at that point all that frustration goes away and it's like God I'm sorry I you know I was aggravated because I was you know running behind or something happened or maybe upset at the kids because they're holding us back but the reality is you know it, it he very well could have been keeping me from being involved in that accident so God does everything with there's a purpose and a reason behind it and we've got to understand that. Second Corinthians four and seven, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. The illustration we are earthen vessels continues to fascinate me the more that I that I study it. Of course, clay comes from the ground. So did man in the physical sense, according to Genesis two and seven. Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man become a living being. Interestingly, there are different types of, of clay. Comparing these can offer us further spiritual insight. The two of the most common clays are earth, earthenware and kaolin, or, or china clay. The three basic differences are how far away from their original source they have traveled, the number of foreign components they contain, and the temperature of heat that they can endure. Earthenware, or common clay, develops after being transported the farthest from its source and having picked up the most impurities. It melts at a lower temperature than other clays. In comparison, kaolin is found the closest to its source with less impurities and therefore capable of a higher melting point. Even the clay of the earth teaches us that the closer we remain to God, our source, the less impurities or sin that we will retain in our everyday life, giving us strength to endure the hotter trials that this world may bring. So just that example of that, it's, it's a simple uh, example but when you think of it, the closer we stay to God, the, the less problems generally we have and, and, and have to go through and deal with. Because so many times when we get farther away from God, we create a mess a lot of times that, you know, fortunately, God's willing to, to pick that, help us pick that back up and straighten that back up. But, you know, we want less impurities in our life, so we want to have that close walk and that relationship with him uh, to maintain that. No matter the type of clay, earthen well, Earthenware is fragile, pointing to the fact that our strength does not come from within, but from God the potter. The story is not in the clay itself, but in what the potter creates it to be. God does not want us to remain a lump of clay. He desires for us to, to place our life in his hand through faith and make us into a vessel of purpose. For clay to become a vessel for use, there is a process. It doesn't happen instantaneously or automatically. It begins with the clay, the clay being placed in God the potter's hands and continues at the, at the clay remains there. In the same way, our journey with Jesus begins with a moment of salvation, and it continues in the process called sanctification. God the potter brings us out of the mound of clay and places us 
on his own will where he begins the process to deliver us from nothingness to the vessel he has designed us to be. When we come to the end of ourselves, we come to the beginning of God. So we have to die out in our flesh and allow God to have control of our lives to mold us and shape us. And, you know, it, that's a, that's a God-given choice that he's given us. And we don't have to die out to him. But, you know, if we want to live for God and be in God's will, that's part of what we have to do. We have to give ourselves to him and trust in him to shape us and mold us into the vessel that he has chosen to be for us. So in talking about the clay, the, the first process, you gotta, you got to prepare the clay. The, this process of making pottery begins with preparing the clay. This includes both the adding of water and a practice called wedging, which consists of kneading the clay to remove any bubbles while also causing the clay to become less sticky. Our spiritual lives begin with the living water of Christ coming into our lives then a spiritual wedging begins, filling the empty places in our lives while causing us to no longer stick or cling to the world as we used to or as we had before. The shaping process, many believe God is far away, some, you know, untouchable, you know, outer space being type situation. But we see an example of God the potter that this is not so. He never takes his hands away from his clay. Whether a potter uses a hand-building technique or a wheel-throwing, his hands remain on the clay constantly molding and shaping. So God's not ever far away. We may not physically see God, but we know God's spirit is here and within us, and he's with us in everything that we do, and his hand's upon us in everything that we do. When we yield ourselves to being placed on the center of the wheel, God's will, he is able to pull and stretch us, mold us, and form us, protect and purge us from anything that should not be there in our lives. All that stretching and pressure placed on the clay leads to something beautiful being created. So you start with that piece of clay, and you can do nothing with it, or you can go through a process and build it into something beautiful. And that's what God wants to do in each one of our lives as long as we're willing to to allow him to do that but in in that process there comes that hurt sometimes and that pain and that growth to, to be turned into something beautiful and we've got to that's where we've got to put our trust in God to know that he's going to make something beautiful out of each and every one of us there's a firing process that brings about the maturity of the clay causing it to in, to endure and last even thousands of years it changes the clay on a molecular level, transforming it from a soft, pliable substance to that which is strong and durable. So we get God in our life, and God molds and shapes us. We will be a lot stronger and a lot more durable to handle life and the circumstances that comes along, the difficulties and the uncertainties that we face. You know, God will help make a way for that as long as we allow him to work in our lives. There are actually two phases to the firing. It's called a bisque firing and a glaze firing once a piece is fired there is no going back this makes me think of how the fire of the holy spirit came upon the disciples at pentecost in the same way we received the holy ghost at the moment we received re that we received christ into our lives 
we are transformed into a new creation and sealed by the fire of the Holy Spirit. But once you allow that Holy Spirit to come in your life and you allow God to transform you, you know, at that point in time, uh, our lives can be totally different, you know, than what we ever experienced before. Glaze firing adds a second layer of strength and durability. Those tough, hard times, which seem like uh, walking through fire, have purpose. They actually make us stronger, not weaker. Lots of times when we're when we're walking through that, we don't feel that. I can tell you that for sure. I mean, that we all experience uh, issues and problems in our life and, and hardships and difficult times, and you definitely don't feel strong when you're walking through it. But we have to trust the process that when we're going through that, that God is helping to make us stronger and not weaker. We're not, we're not going through that to be torn down, but we're going through that as a growth process and to learn and to, to grow. So in each and every one of us deal with different things, and we deal with it on different levels. And there are certain things that I may, may deal with that, that maybe doesn't bother me as bad as it would you if you're dealing with it or vice versa, you know, as far as that goes. But we, we each go through different things and go through different trials and different situations, but it's all a process that God has for each of us to grow us and, and to take us where he wants us to be. Isaiah 43 and 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. So when God's with you, it doesn't matter what you're dealing with, doesn't matter what you're going through, He's going to take you through it. He's going to bring us through it, and he's going to make sure that, that we come through uh, where we need to be. Looks like I'm getting close to being out of time, so I'm going to skip down. I've got just a couple things I'll throw in here at the very end. Are you presently in the potter's hand? Uh, it's the safest place to be. He is waiting for us to yield ourselves to his love and his purpose. Are you walking through a time of fire? The potter is with you and I. He can bring purpose from these fires. Are you enjoying his works in and through you? There is joy in creativity even when we are the product. Know that you are valued and loved and God has a purpose for each and every one of us.